back to Trees and Lines uh, at Trees and Utilities. We're here on the floor chatting with Mr. Matt Goff uh, from Georgia Power. Thanks, Matt, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, Matt is uh, the head of the vegetation management for the transmission side of the business. Also, president-elect for the the UAA, so congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, And a speaker here, so pretty cool. Yeah, very good. Yeah, tell us a little... Well, first, give us your background. Yeah. People know who you are, and then we'll talk about your presentation coming up. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, thanks for having me. Of course. It's an honor to be on the podcast. Um, I guess my journey started a long time ago i started i started dating myself but um now i graduated from the university of georgia as a forester i entered the industry in i guess what you would call traditional forestry yep um and i worked for a timber procurement um that that was my job was procuring timber for a sawmill so i moved around most of georgia and lived in a lot of different places in the state of Georgia, pursuing that career for several years. Had an opportunity um, to come back home and ended up competing for a job at Georgia Power and got that job. But like most, uh, every utility forester I've met, um, I found this industry by by accident. You know, there was no um, plan for me to come out of school as a, and be a utility forester, right? So, um, hopefully one day we can change that, but so I actually was riding from, um, the woods, had been cruising timber all morning, going to the mill to deal with mill business, ended up seeing a, someone on the side of the road that, um, I thought needed help. So I slowed down my vehicle and as I approached the site, I recognized the person. I was like, I know that person. So I pulled over. This is in the middle of nowhere, Georgia, right? So I pulled over, and uh, it was my college um, friend of mine from forestry school. And he was in a Georgia power truck. I was like, what are you doing working for Georgia Power? Yeah, I thought you went to forestry school. I know you did. You went with me. And um, one thing led to another, and um, he gave me the connection to put in my resume. And so I did that. And it was like a year or two later before I finally got the call. Hey, we want you to come interview. So I got the job and moved back to Atlanta and um, still live there today with my wife and two daughters. One of our guests said, don't plan out your career too, you know, too specifically because it doesn't go as according to plan. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, that's exactly that is true. true. That is true. So you were a forester. I was a forester. We used to always, everybody was a forester in our industry. You want to ask? I do. You know, so, I'll let you ask it. You know, for, for, our, for our guests, you know, Matt, uh, I've gotten to know Matt a little bit through, through the industry. And, uh, you know, I've asked him this question and, you know, he, he gave a very nice and simple explanation. I think there's always a little bit of confusion on the difference between an arborist and a forester. Um, what do you, what is, how do you think of the two different titles and what's the difference? Uh, a personal story, I've gone full circle in that space of what do I call myself, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, when I started out working in traditional forestry, it was easy to see yourself as a forester. <clears throat> and what you learn there is you have objectives you have all the stakeholders that are involved the landowner um the environmental 
state regulations, all that stuff you have to balance. But my job as a forester is to connect with my landowner and find out what they want out of their property, right? And then I take all these variables and sort of, I guess, synthesize a, a, a strategy for them to achieve that. And then we follow that plan. And as the variables change over time, you have to adjust your plan. The difference an arborist takes is they will, um, that I've come to believe, is they will take each tree and evaluate that tree Very specifically at its location. Mm. How it's doing, how it's responding, what's influencing, what's impacting it, what are its symptoms, you know, what does it look like. But it's only focused on that tree. Um, and so the, the big difference is the analogy that we discussed um, the other day is, uh, so I love to eat, right? Yes, I know this about you. Um, a big foodie. Love yeah. to go to different, experiment with different kinds of food. And I love to spend time with my friends and coworkers and just talk, shop over meal. Yeah. So a restaurant is a great analogy between, to explain the difference between an arborist and a forester. And I kind of see it as the arborist is more like a, a specific worker in the restaurant, like maybe the hostess or the or the yep. waiter or waitress. They have a very specific job is to take care of their table, right? Yep. If you're the waitress or, or waiter, your job is to take care of the table and make sure that the guests at that table have the best experience they can. Yep. A forester is more like the restaurant manager. Right. They have to... More macro, more holistic. Right. Yeah. They have to have an understanding of what's going on in the kitchen. They have to have an inventory of the food, right, and ingredients, all the spices, all that stuff, um, all the way down to the napkins and silverware, right? And they have to make sure all that fits so that collectively everyone that comes into that restaurant has same experience that the waiter is working or the waitress is working to achieve at that table. So they're at the same place in the same environment. They're all in the same hotel, restaurant, but they have different roles. Yep. And that's the best way I've come to under, explain it. That's a great explanation because honestly, uh, I'll be the first to admit I get confused sometimes because I use them more interchangeably than I should. And then it dawned on me when we were chatting the other day, I'm like, I'm not sure I fully understand all the nuances, Matt. Maybe you can tell me those. So um, that's that's very helpful. Thank you. Matt's thought thought it through more than most of us, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever, call me what you want. But you're right. Uh, yeah. And your transmission, that makes a difference. That's right. And so I had an experience in my career where probably about 10 years ago, we took a look at all of our job titles at our company across um, whole, all the electric affiliates that, that our company is associated with. And we found that we had, um, I think it was like 27 different possible titles for the same job. So we thought, well, wow, let's standardize that. We're going to yeah, make this more sure. efficient. Yeah. Well, what do we call ourselves? And so we had a committee, a subcommittee, and we were debating them back and forth and we settled on utility arborists um but flash forward to today some 10 years after that you know i probably see myself more as the forester um i don't know if that's maybe the influence of my job 
yeah um managing a, a system versus managing um you know a line or a corridor um yeah but i really see the importance of staying in touch with what our stakeholders are asking us to do the public um environmentalists you know both bill-paying customers yeah, and non-bill-paying sure. customers. Because in transmission, that's a unique aspect of our line of work is we, from the sub to sub, we cross um, a you know a lot of different landowners. Not every one of them is our paying yeah. us a bill. We're not making revenue off of them, but we yeah. still have to treat them yep. in, in the same way. So um, being able to bring all that in, it's just kind I guess the analogy starts to make more sense when you think of yourself more as the general manager and not that specific task problem solver. One thing I'm obviously very impressed with you about is just your, and of course, Phil has lived this life as a former executive director of the UAA and, and, you know, a leadership, taking a leadership role in a very meaningful organization. You know, as a president-elect, like, first of all, why... Why were you so passionate about involving yourself with the UAA and taking on leadership roles? Like, what do you hope to accomplish, achieve? You know, what is your sort of motivation uh, with the organization? That's another good question. It's your second time around, right? Well, I did a tour duty as a director. That's how I got started. Yep. You don't always find what you're looking for, but things that you need have a way of finding you, right? Oh, wow. And I, I just so happened had the opportunity to um, attend my first Trees and Utilities. It was in Kansas City. I met Phil. And Phil didn't know that we'd be sitting here today. Neither one of us did that, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, UVMA. UVMA. Neil Feeson was yes. probably who you met. That's the Canadian side? Yes. Okay. Sister That's a sister. So he was there, and he had this program about professional utility vegetation management that credential was just getting off. It just clicked with me as a way to sort of validate what we're doing, that we're, we are the experts. And so I got involved that way, met Phil, um, decided to run for the director position, and really had a lot of good opportunities to meet other people who saw the UAA's potential to... to to advance our business, to explain to people, to champion what we do, and to um, bring that awareness to the importance of what we're doing. And, to, you know, I mentioned before that almost every forester I've talked to has found this industry by accident. Yeah. We should change that. Yeah, 100%. And, and this industry, this organization, 100%. this association has the potential to, to lobby for that mm-hmm. and to bring that awareness. And so it's just a, it just clicked for me to to want to help. Yeah. And um, that's part of that. So you were the first graduating class of the uh, professional development second. Second? Yeah. Wow. Let's talk a little bit about Georgia Power, uh, maybe some of the unique challenges that you guys face on your system. Because you're involved in the UAA, you also have reach outside of your state, you know, with, of course, Phil and his peer group and other foresters that are leaving other, leading other utilities. Like, tell us a little bit about the risk profile in, in the system, things that kind of keep you up at night, and how do you utilize your peer groups to, to solve problems for, that you bring back to your home state? So I'll start with, I guess, the end first. Um, the peer groups and the people that you meet at these kind of events at the 
Trees and Utilities and through committees on the UAA, they are dealing with the same problems. And it's very much, um, I've come to realize uh, sort of risk management, risk awareness. How do I categorize my risk? Once I know what it is, what are my options to defend against that? Yep. And then how can I put my action plan in place and then you sort of rinse and repeat? And you're constantly trying to um, reassess that risk. And, you know, when I started this business or started a utility business, um, the veg folks were seen as sort of a faucet, right? Yep. If you need to um, divest of funds, you open a faucet. If you need to curtail spending, you close it. Yep. And that was that was our life. We responded to that. Today, through the UAA and through technology and through people sharing ideas that are here in this conference, you can not see that as a surprise, but you can have a plan for it. Yep. You can have a plan for the upside. You can have a plan for the downside. And then in reality, you you operate somewhere in between. Yep. And um, that fit with me as a forester because, you know, when I was doing forestry, a timber harvest schedule is 30 years, 40 years long. That's a long time before you realize all the all the inputs that you outlaid the same things for the right-of-way corridor it has a very long life they teach you how to be a utility forester in forestry school they just don't call it that but they give you all the skills you need yeah and so yeah. you know that's kind of um what made me want to be a part of this organization is just to raise that awareness so tell us a little bit about the uh, present your presentations tomorrow yes it's, what's today? It's today. No. It's today, Tuesday, or Wednesday? Today's oh, Tuesday. <laughs> today's Tuesday. I'm Wednesday. You're okay. Wednesday. You're Wednesday. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's the way these things go. What are you going to be focusing on? So I am doing co-presenting with a, um, a person I've known in the business for a long time, Daryl Russell at Corteva. Um, we are presenting a, the topic. is called Building Biological Barriers. So we have a... I think a four or five year study going on in um, two of our right of way corridors in Georgia where we've been comparing the the before and after results of um, different types of chemistries that we put out to control non-desirables. Okay. Um, In a nutshell, it's basically our older chemistries we call broad spectrum. They they act on a, a wide array of of species, yep. the pretty um, non-selective. And then selective chemistries is very much targeted on certain types of plants and um, has less impact or reduced impact on the compatible species. So we wanted to see uh, in the real world what happens when you use the two beside each other. So we started a project in 2020 and we're still going on measuring the research. So are you presenting results? Yes. Uh, so can you give us a little recap? A little, a little a sneak peek? Or are we, are we crushing well, actually, this won't go out till after your presentation, so you're not letting yeah, it out uh, of the bag yet. No, so 
Well, this doesn't preclude you from showing up Wednesday, right? <laughs> no, you're no, like, right. hey guys, show it's up. It's on our calendar. <laughs> yeah, it's on Somebody our calendar. has to come in the room. Yeah, I'm coming. Uh, <laughs> the results are very um, encouraging. Come. I'm very, very happy with what we've got so far. Um, you know, the UAA has a, a great tool out on the website, the IBM calculator, right? And you can go and you put in some costs and all, and you can. You can forecast what different strategies might, what they might cost and what the benefits are. Highly recommend people check that out. Um, one of the knocks of the newer chemistry can be that um, it costs more. It's more expensive material-wise. And you, at least initially, when you're transferring from non-selective, you are going to use a little bit more per acre. So you've got more material costs, more acreage. You use more and it costs more. So that's a double whammy. But in the end, the, what we're finding in our studies so far is the species counts of the non-desirables continue to decline over time. The species counts of the desirable plants are increasing over time. And so we're actually approaching our th- second treatment cycle in the study in 2024. So this may be something I can talk about, yep. you know, down the road. But we're already seeing that the the bad stuff is going down. There's yep. less of the bad stuff, non-permissible, whatever you want to call it. Yep. More of the good stuff. And so from a risk management perspective, we're, we're seeing that it's worth it. And if the species count of the non-desirables continues to drop, we fully expect to recover our investment to convert. Right. So we outlaid an investment to, to spend more in order to save more. Yep. And ultimately, we hope that we could even consider um, extending our mowing cycles out yep. beyond what they currently are. No. Um, well, I was going to ask you, I was going to shift gears and pressure on you and if you had to make one dish since i know you're a big foodie what's your go-to dish what are you making for us uh my go-to dish <laughs> i hope it doesn't have eel in it because i remember that meal matt matt has a very <laughs> very um, matt has like an incredibly diverse uh palate he does not eat unagi no um You know, I really, if I had time, so are you are you dropping in or I got advance notice? You got advance notice. Okay. I, I really have, um, I love Cuban food. It's yep. one of my favorites. And so I've got obsessed with making mojo, which is a Cuban-based marinade. And I've got a really good one. So I would make my mojo and I would marinate some shrimp in it and then grill them. Incredible. And they would be Might fantastic. Have to put you to the test on I'm that. pretty good at drinking mojitos. Does yeah, that yeah, count? Me yeah, yeah, <laughs> me too. Um, you know, Matt, this is uh, you know, you know, I know you guys are doing some some really cool things down, you know, down your neck of the woods and on your system. I know you're always trying to push the limit. You know, what what is something that you're that you're really passionate about, sort of introducing to your program, your system? whether it's a technology or a process um, or a different way of thinking, because I know that you're so committed to refining and improving all the time. Is there something that kind of is really on your mind 
lately and something that you're trying to focus on fine tuning? Yes. And, and, um, I've been trying to think of a way to explain this or to talk about this without getting on my, on a soapbox, but I might get on one. So that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we need a soapbox. <laughs> yeah. Um, having our industry value the corridor, the right of way, the right of way, right. As an asset. Yes. In the same way that they currently value the poles and wires. Okay. The, the, the space that those poles and wires occupy, the corridor, the right-of-way, the easement, whatever yep. you want to call it, is just as valuable for the proper delivery and the safe delivery of those electrons as anything. Yep. And I think if we can <clears throat> come to define it at that, we may be, may be even able to get different, um, I don't know, accounting treatments for the work we're doing. Yeah. You know, because assets can be depreciated and they can have a, a, a depreciation schedule and, you know, FERC and NERC and all the other regulators will recognize yep. the. And I think once the industry says this is our asset, this is where we work, this space at the edge of the easement where the limbs come in and we cut them back and to the other side and up as tall as you want to go, that is an asset. It has value. Yes. We paid for it, right? Yeah, Most, absolutely. You acquired the easement rights. Absolutely. Or you bought the land. Yeah, absolutely. It has value. The so it's one of the only things yeah. that I can think of in our business that we paid money for that we don't consider an yeah. asset. You know, I had a similar conversation with uh, Stan Verart, who who has who at least shared with me and, and articulated not quite the same, but very much like thinking of... of that right away, that corridor as an asset. So this is the forester in me. Is like, like, so now I have you thinking of this corridor as an asset. Now I need to understand what you want me to do with it. How do yep. you want me to manage it? Yep. Because when we get to where we're going, it's not going to be an accident. It's going to be a plan. And I think that's that's what I was taught in forester school. And thankfully for my career i've been in this business long enough to just come back around and think of that away again yep. maybe what was old is new again i guess is sort of in my way of thinking but you finally i guess um have enough experience to to realize that yep but once we can come collectively to realize that that is something worth valuing that has a value it has a depreciation schedule it has a definition then we can start um, applying, tra- you know, traditional forestry. Yes, and get where we're going. Outside of your peers, are your uh, others at the company receptive to that discussion? I'm still working on influencing that, but I think that's one of the things that I love most about the UAA is I believe that um, this is the organization that can can drive that message from the, from the top down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not wait for it to organically just spread. Yeah. I, I I'm not pa- I'm not that patient. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. That'll be a very slow. No, look, I think it's a very um you know, what comes to mind when you describe it that way is a proactive approach when you own an asset versus own a depreciating asset, right? It's a very different mindset in terms of how you tackle 
what you have. It's an asset right. you're managing. It's just not a cost. Right. So many it's just utilities, not, it's it's just a cost. not a cost. It, yeah. It's not a cost sink. It's something that if I want to achieve the results that I that I define as, if I stand in front of stakeholders or shareholders and say, "This is what we're going to do to deliver yep. value on to to pay our dividend yep. to meet our earnings per share goal." Yeah, it's a part of that yep. now. It's no, a it's, it's a, a very, factor in that now. It's a very very interesting. It's perspective. not just a. Yep. a a, a, a way to save money yeah. or spend money. Yeah, it's just not a line item. It's, more it's not than a, a liability item. anymore. Yeah, it's a more li- more than a line item. Yeah. So I, I, sorry, I told you I'd get on my soapbox. So. No, man. That's okay. I, no, look, <laughs> this forum that we've created to to talk to industry thought leaders and bring all different types of perspectives. You know, that's that's what this is for, is so that we can, can engage in discussions and and collectively create good solutions to think of these these corridors and these assets across the country and across the world as assets so i think um i'm it's it's really exciting that you're thinking of it that way and taking on leadership roles outside of your your core job to to champion that so super exciting matt's Um, always good at pushing forward you know you do things better george power and do things better for the industry. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Well, yeah. thanks for doing it, Matt. And, uh, I'm sure I'm going to bug you again for, you know, doing another one where we can dive in a little deeper on some of some other topics. So thanks hey, for doing I, this. I just appreciate the opportunity and, um, and, um, honored to have the invitation, spend time talking shop with you guys. It's, um, no, I appreciate this it. Is a, I, I, this, this is something I care very much about, very deeply, very passionate about my yep. business. You know, lucky to to have a job, a career that um, sort of energizes me that way. Um, not everyone can say that. Um, but, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have found, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And there's a great group of people here to help. You know, do it even better. So. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fantastic, man. Yeah. Thank you again. Yeah, and we'll do this again. Yeah, so. no problem. Yeah, thanks, Matt. That's it for this episode of Trees and Lines, brought to you by Iapetus Holdings. If you like the show, please give us a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of our episodes or ideas for topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at Trees and Lines at iapetusllc.com. We'll chat with you soon.